0: Today's interview takes us in a totally different direction. That is to visit with the USA Today music critic Brian Mansfield. I've known Brian in a virtual way for many years, and he is a really nice guy, and he has really great stories about many people including Johnny Cash and Taylor Swift. So with all that said, please take it away, Brian. And so anyway, is this famous Uh, this is (laughs) and so anyway I really thought it would be cool to hear from you and bring you on the podcast because you know I don't know if you know this but you know you were, were one of the first reviews of you know the Domino Kings and that's an
1: amazing jump off point. But I want to talk about you and oh, 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 I oh, hang, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Sure. For some reason my the music that was playing just came back in. I, we okay. may we might need to start this over. <laughs> you've you've been breaking up a little on me, so I don't know okay. if I was coming through clear.
0: All right. Well you're coming through fine.
1: Okay. But anyway,
0: good. what I was just saying is I just thought it would be cool to talk to you about your career in writing and music and everything else. And I want to start by just asking, like, how did you, how did you become a writer?
1: Uh, well, I kind of always wanted to be a writer, and uh-huh. uh, I, I didn't realize that there was a career writing about music. <laughs> uh, okay. So I, I, I first thought that I would try to be a musician. Okay. And so I went to I went to Berkeley College of Music to study music. I got a wow. music degree. Uh, but I was always—I never had the discipline to be a musician, but I had the discipline to be a a researcher and a a, a record uh, acquirer. I, I, I figured out once <laughs> that I bought I bought an album a day the entire time I was in college. Really? So yeah, I did. So I, I had the largest the largest record collection of any student at Berkeley during that time, Uh, and I would lug like two or 3,000 albums to and from college every year from Nashville to Boston. (laughs) And so you already lived in Nashville, is that right? Yes, yes, I'm a Nashville native. Okay. And And then then when I came back to Nashville, I just started falling in with uh, people who wrote and had three publications and things like that. It just kind of started from there. Well... Who were your musical inspirations? Who, who did you like? In in terms of writers? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in, in, in terms of writers, it would have been Dave Marsh and Lester Bangs. Um, uh-huh. There was a guy in – I'm not sure where he lived, but he wrote for the Boston Phoenix when I was in college named James Hunter uh, that I just thought the world of and later got to work with some. Um, I, I would say probably – probably those three for starters well what about the music what were your influences there um I was kind of all over the place that's that's been one of the hallmarks of my career is that I've been willing to dive into just about anything and so it it started with my father's classical uh, music collection Okay. And uh, but also his Elvis and Gene Vincent and Jack Scott records. Oh really? Um, yeah. Yeah. He, so he had he had a nice little record collection, a nice little singles collection. Jack that Scott I, is
0: kind of an obscure jewel. Uh, it, it,
1: well, and, and Jack Scott was was a huge uh, artist for me. I I just thought he was the greatest thing, um, and, and and I still think he he's really one of the most fascinating people in all of music to me. Really? Because. Uh, I think, I think if he had ever been in movies, he would be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Really, because he because he has more hits than Eddie Cochran and I think it's Gene Vincent combined. Really, <laughs> um, but but he never really got outside of that Michigan Canada area that he worked. Uh-huh. Um, but the other thing is. He, um, he has always owned all of his own uh, masters. He owns his publishing. Really? He owned, yeah, he owned his publishing. He right. owned most of his recordings. And so he never had to work outside of music. Never. Wow. I, you know, all
0: I know is he's got a really big bear family set. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I, that's how I know his name. You know, he, he just, he would be great to learn
1: about, you know, and it sounds like you would be a great teacher. He's, he's a fascinating guy. I got to meet him once and it was, it was maybe the most nervous that I've ever been meeting really? somebody because, <laughs> because he's been a hero for as long as I could remember music.
0: Uh-huh. Like
1: I know about, I know about Jack Scott at the same time I knew about Elvis and the Beatles. And right. so, yeah. So, so Jack, Jack Scott's my man. <laughs> and so anyway, how did you come into country music? Uh, Well, it's, Nashville, and that's what there <laughs> is to write about. So that's that's what you cover. Uh, you know, growing growing up in Nashville, it, it's you kind of pick it up some by osmosis because it's just right. around. You know, sure. the, you can't you can't miss the Grand Ole Opry. You can't. Miss seeing all of these, you know, and so every everybody knows somebody, or everybody's related to somebody, or somebody, right. or somebody somebody's so just, dad is important, or whatever. Yeah, and and so you just you just kind of pick up a little bit of it just because it's in the air. Uh, but then when I started when I started writing, if I, especially when I started writing professionally, well, I didn't have access to the people that the New York writers would or the L.A. writers right. would. Sure, uh, Nashville was not. The go-to touring market that it is right now, right. And so you just kind of, if if you're going to write through the national publications, you've got to pitch them what you've got access to, and that was country. Okay. And so where did you start writing? Um, I I started? I started writing. There was a free uh, music paper here called the Metro, and okay. that's where I actually started writing, um, and then. What was that? What year? When that would have been eighty five, eighty six, something like okay. that. Yes. Yeah, awesome. I got I got done with college in eighty four, taught school for a year in Saint Louis, came back in eighty five really? and it would have been yeah. What part of St. Louis? Um Oh goodness. St. Louis has all these little towns and I'm trying to remember which one <laughs> the school was actually in. But it was around to Overland. Okay. It was it was it was somewhere in but just little bitty private school. Um I wasn't qualified to teach, but they didn't have a teacher, I didn't have a job, <laughs> and so we did it for a year and then we looked at each other and It was like, Oh yeah, we could both do better than this,
0: and we went our <laughs> separate ways. Uh, it, but anyway, you started yeah, writing for the metro. Started writing Let's for the metro. About that.
1: Um well it was just you know, the little free music newspaper that a lot of towns had back in the eighties. And so I think the the first people that I interviewed were Love Tractor, which was a band out of Georgia, uh, kind of the Athens scene, and the Leroy Brothers out of the Austin, Texas area. Okay. And then the first people that paid me was a trade publication called Music Row Magazine, which is still around. And so they, like, paid me $10 to go uh, review some – Touring rock band. I'm trying to. I, I'm not even sure I can remember who it was. Uh, <laughs> but they, they they paid me ten dollars to write like two paragraphs on some band, and then it was it was kind of off to the races from there.
0: <laughs> and so, how long did it take you then
1: to get to USA Today? Uh, well, let's see. If that was if that was '86, uh, I started with USA Today in '97. Wow. And the situation there was I, I had been um, I'd been working for a magazine called New Country Magazine, which I helped wow. start. It was a Time Warner publication. And I had just left there when the country, the nashville based country writer for USA Today had a mild stroke. Really? Yeah. His name was David Zimmerman. And um He had had a stroke. He was planning on being back in three months, but they needed somebody just to cover the area while he was gone. And because I had just left this job, I was kind of the highest ranking freelancer in Nashville. And so they asked me if I would be willing to do that for three months. And I said, absolutely. And then at the end of three months, David decided that he didn't want to go back to the world of daily deadlines. And he and his partner went off to Florida, and that was the last anybody that I know ever heard from
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so anyway, once you got to the U.S.A. today, what, you know, in other words, that's around the time, you know, 2000 is when, you know, the first Domino Kings album came out, or the one that that I produced, or, you know, I did not produce it, but it went on my label. And so anyway... That is where I found out about you. And so do you remember that review at all?
1: Or, you know, I rem, I, rem, I remember the I remember the record. I remember that there was a review. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't tell you what it, I said, but it it must have been good or I wouldn't have put it down it to the King's good. record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. and that's the deal is, you know, I know that you
0: were always around writing, but the deal is that then Facebook connected us Right, and I just think that you're such an interesting guy, and I've
1: really enjoyed being your friend on Facebook. Well, thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I, I have I have a lot of fun there, and it, it, it's funny because I know so many people like that that I kind of knew, or we kind of had connections right. before, and and now we have a, a relationship like you and I do on Facebook. And I would have a hard time saying, yeah, well, this is when we matter. This is how we <laughs> exactly. matter because, because I've known you so long through Facebook that I think of you right. as a Facebook guy. <laughs> well, you know, and that's the deal is I just
0: find you talking about Taylor Swift and kind of knowing her before, I find that to be so cool. And talk about that. How did you beat her and what do you think about her? And
1: any um, Okay. Well, so we got seated next to each other at um, at a BMI dinner. Uh, okay. it, when she was 15, so I guess it's been okay. 15 almost 16 years now. Um, right. but it was the uh, Toby Keith and Scott Borchetta had just started their labels together. Okay. Uh, they eventually they eventually Split those, and Toby took his, and Scott took his. But at this point, they were still together. Scott had just signed Taylor. She hadn't put anything out yet. Really, and so we were all. At, I was like the token journalist at the Toby Keith, Scott Borsheda table. Okay, and so uh, Toby was across the table from me, and Scott was seated two people to my right. And Scott had brought his new signing, who was this teenage girl. Yeah. And so I got seated next to, you know, the latest teenage girl to get a record deal. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so we just kind of sat together and, and chatted all night. The, the really interesting thing about that night was that seated right behind both of us was Little Richard. Really? <laughs> yeah, this is my – this is my best name dropping story because it's, it's got <laughs> so yeah so we are I mean we're literally a foot and a half away from Little Richard the entire night and every star in Nashville is at this thing, but there is one celebrity in the room and it is little Richard. I everybody he's got a receiving line for days
0: next <laughs> to us. And I spend
1: like twenty minutes because just just trying to figure out how to introduce myself to him. Because right. what do you say to what do you call him? Right. You know Richard is just way too presumptuous. <laughs> Mr. Peniman is way too formal. You can't call him little, and it took right. me little, literally took me twenty <laughs> minutes to work up the nerve and to think of You just say, "Hi, I'm Brian Mansfield. It's nice to meet you
0: <laughs>
1: well, and, and you know. And and, and so, nobody nobody ever introduced Taylor. I, I, I asked her years later, it's like did any of us think to introduce you to Little Richard? She's <laughs> like, No, nope, nobody really? ever did. <laughs> so that's that's one of my rules now. Always introduce the kid to the celebrity. Always.
0: Definitely. always.
1: And so anyway, it's really kind really of cool to see how she
0: has you know, I really find it cool that she has still maintained a pretty sense of some sense of normalcy. Is that right? right.
1: Yes and, and and she has worked she has worked very very hard to do that. I mean that's that's kind of the thing people give her a hard time for always looking surprised when she wins an award and for having that shocked face. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, and, and 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 those sorts of things do kind of go away but she's she has worked very hard to always try to remember you know this is if I win an award that's a big deal. That's a, right. It's a big deal to the people that support me. Even though I've done it over and over again, I don't need to take that for granted. And right. it goes the same way when she's dealing with her fans. I don't need to take that for granted. It's you know the 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 farther you get removed from them, the bigger you get. That's it's very hard to maintain that. But but she works really really hard to if she sees somebody she knows she'll and she's driving or she's riding by on the street, she'll roll down the window and yell at him in the middle of the street really? um, oh yeah she'll i i I have seen her walk by people on a red carpet and see somebody she knows and uh she may not be able to stop and talk to them, but she'll like yell out their names and wave at him because she knows that it's a big deal to those people right and and that's that's one of the things that I really Respect. I think it's a lesson she probably learned from Garth because Garth Brooks does the same sort of things, Right. and, um, and, and so I, I, I know those are lessons that she has really taken to heart over the years.
0: Well, and so let me just ask you, like number one, what's next for
1: you? What oh, do you want to write about? Um, I, I'm really fascinated right now by the musical history of locations in okay. Nashville. Uh, because every you know, everybody knows about Music Row, everybody knows about the Ryman Auditorium, yeah. Lower Broad, you know, they, the the big places everybody knows, and those have been pretty well covered. But when you when you think about every everybody that has lived in Nashville, everything that has happened in Nashville, oh yeah, you've probably got 500 artists or musicians or people that that a large number of people are going to care about. All of right. those people have had to have lived four different places over the <laughs> you know over their lives, and so yeah. that's two thousand data points in Nashville uh, that where where somebody lived or something happened. And I I've, I spend so much time uh, in front of my computer screen in my office that I know all these stories, but I don't necessarily know where they happened. Right, and I'm just fascinated by. Um the fact that I can drive somewhere and drive uh you know drive over the street where Patsy klein had a car wreck that nearly killed sure. her or uh you know where jim reeves plane crash uh happened or where so and so was arrested or this is you know there's there's a there 's a place on um what 's called the twelve South neighborhood in Nashville and there's this big, I don't know if it's a stucco or, but this big wall on a corner. And you just, you don't notice it if you're driving by, but that's been Dolly Parton's Nashville headquarters for, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you would never, you would never notice it because it's not like there's some big sign. It's not like there's gates with butterflies on it. Uh uh-huh. And so you're just going about, and it's like, oh well, Dolly Parton's on the other side of that wall. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so I just I I, I love that. So I, I've been doing all sorts of research for that. I've been uh, talking with people about developing a podcast, which I'm which I was hoping to have out by now, until we all got locked down. Oh, well, you know. Oh, you, that sounds great. Yeah, and so I've been I've been doing doing stuff like that. If you uh you'll you'll see me post about that a lot on Facebook. I recently created a Facebook page called the Nashville Musical History Tour, okay. and every day I try to post some picture of some building or some location in Nashville, and you can and, and tell a story about that and tell you exactly where it is so you can go and see the place that. Curtis Mayfield, the parking lot where Curtis Mayfield wrote It's All Right after a show at the Top Hat Lounge. Wow. Well, and I guess
0: that kind of along the same lines, what do you think is next for
1: music? In all of this strange oh, oh goodness. Um <laughs> I I almost I almost have no idea. Uh I I think every so much is up in the air right now. Um yeah I, I i think live music i think live music's gonna be really really tough over the next couple of years uh, um, because some i don't i don't see people wanting to go out in groups of hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands to uh, see music if they don't know that they're safe right uh, to come home um and as quickly or as, as as slowly as I think it, it's going to take to get a vaccine that everybody can have, uh, right. just because vaccines take a while,
0: yeah. uh, I,
1: I think that's you know that you're you're looking at sometime next year at uh-huh. the earliest before you can really start seeing widespread large scale events. Uh, that might mean that house concerts. Become more of a thing, especially yeah. if you can live stream them. Uh, that would seem to be a logical uh, intermediate step. You go from everybody's, you know, everybody's ha- everybody performing from their house to people um, performing at somebody else's house for 30 people that they know are clean. But then you, yeah. uh, you know, or you do that in some cool location and then you broadcast it
0: from or right. you
1: stream it from there. Um, but boy, I don't. Yeah, I think it's going to be. I mean, a long time before you want to go see a stadium show. i I'm, I'm looking, we're looking at, we're looking at our like football season. We have season tickets for the Tennessee Titans and we have season tickets for the Nashville soccer club. And uh-huh. we're looking at those going, yeah, we're not going to renew those for next year. Um, and, you know, and if you give up, if you give up your PSLs for your permanent seat licenses for your seat, for your football season tickets, then you're not in the line next year. And right. so, uh, if we don't do it next year, we probably won't do it the year after that. And that's just, you know, those, those sorts of big events, it's going to be a while before they come back. I think they will come back, right. but <laughs> I, I don't think they'll come back any time in the next 12 to 18 months. Well, okay. So, last,
0: other than Taylor,
1: who are the people that have made the most impression on you? Oh, goodness. Um, that's really hard because it's because it's been so many people. Um, I mean, Taylor Taylor is kind of the person that I am famous for knowing, for, <laughs> you know, uh, just just because uh, she she followed. I was the first person she followed on Twitter because I was the only person that had a Twitter account that was before her that was in her address book really Uh, it really just boiled down to that she was like i have to see how this thing works okay there's brian we'll follow him uh and and it, it was it was really nothing more than that um oh people that have made the most impression on me goodness that's i mean there's 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 been so many over the years um oh i i just i i i just don't even know where to start i mean i'm I'm trying to think of people that I've had over to the house <laughs> and, and, and it's, you know, and I haven't had that many people over to the house. I, I had like uh Jan Arden and one of the, one of the women from Shadazi came over one day and that's really been about, yeah. we listened to some songs and that's, that's been about it. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I guess it'd have to be Johnny Cash, wouldn't it? Yes. Well, uh, I mean, I, 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 I got to interview him several times. Um, Got to interview June a couple of times. June okay. and I figured out that we're like fourth cousins four times removed. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> I mean, the, the the common ancestor goes back three hundred years. But uh, you know, I said, oh well, I, my my great grandmother's maiden name was Carter, okay. and uh, and she's like, oh, you must have been from that branch that went off to Kentucky three hundred years ago. And then I you know wow. hit the hit the genealogy book, and sure enough, there we were. And Really? Um, but, but so, yeah, I guess I guess Johnny Cash. I mean, and the, the big thing about Johnny for me is that there are a lot of artists that show us how to live, uh-huh. and Johnny was one of the first that I saw that showed us how to die. Okay. And that's, that's a, to me, a much, more, a much more difficult, a much more elevated thing. Uh, you really only get to do that one time. Right, uh, you can you can show us how to live for forty years, but showing us how to die—that's and you know Johnny would not have the one you would take on how to live. I mean,
0: he's a great. I love him for so much. Yeah, but, you know he definitely
1: has better dying than living, like you say. Yeah, yeah, and, and so you know, I think I, I, I think a lot of people feel that way about John Prine now right. because because so much of John's music especially as you listen to it now, dealt with death. Right. Uh, then you get the, you know, when I get to Heaven song, that was the last song on the last album. And you kind of right. saw how he looked at the process of dying and what he anticipated or hoped for on the other side. Um. And, and, and so Johnny was kind of that, that person for me.
0: Well, I think that's a great place. I mean, any, any interview with Johnny Cash, is a great place to end it, and so thank you so much for sitting down with me and talking, and I can't wait to hear about the History Store. That sounds great. If okay. you to do well, a podcast and a book, do it
1: all. Uh, well, that's, that's, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping to figure out some way to scale it. So, yeah, go, go check definitely. out National Musical History Tour on Facebook and let me know what you I think. I will do it today, no problem. All right. <laughs> all right. Talk to you later. Thanks, Dale. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Man.
0: Brian Mansfield, and please go and like his Nashville Music History Tour, which looks like it will be super cool. And please listen to com.